This is your city speaking. This is Satellite, the eternal city, your two-tiered home, your undying beacon of hope. I see all of you as you step from your homes, head to your work, board the trains, walk the streets. I see the CEO of Satcorp as he stands at the window of his skyscraper, thinking that the sheer height he stands at elevates him above me. He is wrong. I see the lower mechanic toiling under the tracks, comforted in the knowledge that at least they are held safe in their city's arms. They are also wrong. I see an old woman clutching in her arms a picture of a red-headed girl stumbling through the streets of Lower toward the neon sign that blinks with her final hopes. The investigator she seeks has yet to wake, but the old woman believes that this is the best, the quickest, and maybe the only route to find the red-headed girl who did not board the train home last night. Of all the citizens that I watch spin, she may be the only one that is partially right. But she is wrong in one important aspect. The girl is not simply missing. It is much more sinister than that. citizens. We have the promise of a beautiful dawn here in our wondrous city. Citizens of Upper, step outside and greet the sun. Citizens of Lower, stretch your legs to the nearest train station. The morning sky is not something to be missed. <sighs> Shut up. Today we have a variety of news, including a weekly update for current prices for organic tissue donations. The price for organic tissue is high this week, and we'll be talking with one of the top researchers of Satcorp. He's making headway in an interesting new modification. I won't spoil too much for you, but, well, I can't help but give you a little teaser, now can I? Dr. Russ Mussen is researching how the size of the human eye can be increased to mimic the appearance of owls, those mysterious and rare birds occasionally spotted on church property or north of the city. If you haven't seen an owl in person, consider going over to the New York District Museum. It's one of my favorite places, and I would love to meet some of my fellow bird... Jay Murphy was a little too cheery for me in the morning, but the annoyance his voice caused was a surefire way to make sure I didn't fall back asleep. I was only a little later than usual to the office, which was still somewhat disappointing since I lived in a small apartment directly above it. I was wearing my standard getup, a white, long-sleeved knit shirt, dark wash jeans, and polished Oxford shoes. I tucked my 9mm handgun into my shoulder holster and walked to the front of my office to unlock the door. It was barely after 8 in the morning, but I could already see the silhouette of someone standing on the other side of the door. The woman on the other side was slightly stooped and plump, with a wrinkled face and green eyes, red and swollen, likely from crying given that she was still sniffling. 
She must have been in her early 60s, which was a rare sight in Lower, since most people didn't make it that long down here. There was a piece of paper clutched in her hands, and I could just make out the logo for my office on the top of it before the woman slipped it into her jacket and cleared her throat. I'm, I'm looking for Investigator Jack Hart. You found her? Oh, I'm sorry. I was, uh, I was expecting someone, uh, something else. <laughs> yeah, people usually are. Come on in. I walked the woman past an empty secretary desk that was currently being used as storage for old case files in my coat and into my private office. I pulled back a chair for her to sit in and clicked on an old electric kettle that sputtered with a few sparks and then hummed to life. The woman looked around the messy office somewhat warily, but settled in with a look of determination. It was easy to tell the woman was nervous or scared, wringing her hands. How can I help you today, ma'am? Please, call me Esther. I'm here because my... my granddaughter is missing. The woman dug out a photo of a pretty girl with red hair and green eyes, and handed it to me across the cluttered desk. Freckles dotted her face, and she was giving the camera a warm smile. Pretty girl. That color hair and eyes is a rare combination nowadays. Her mother had it, too. Did you go to the police? She's only been missing for a night. They won't look for her yet. How do you know she's missing and not just hung over at a stranger's house? Because she always comes home after work, even if she's going out in the evening. Want some coffee? Oh, no thank you. I ripped the top of the coffee packet and unceremoniously dumped it into the stained mug, filling it to the brim with the boiling water. Alright, so your granddaughter... Amy. Okay, yeah. Amy didn't show up after work last night. Where's she work? She works at the bank a few blocks north of the southern New York train station. A small one, just a local branch. Alright. Anything else you can tell me? Yes, I, I know that there were some problems at her work. Things were going missing from the bank vault, and they suspect there was one of the employees. Do you think it could have been Amy? What? No, 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 of course not. Amy's a sweet girl. She wouldn't do that. I held eye contact with Esther for a moment, crooking an eyebrow before offering a shrug. She seemed certain. Resolute. Okay. Well, I can look into this for you. I assume you've done enough research to know what my rate is? Yes. Then sign on the line below, and I'll find your granddaughter. I had purposely bought a home and office space combo that was both near a train stop and near a wasp station so that I didn't need to constantly pay a taxi or own my own car to get around. While it could be dangerous to walk the streets of Lower, especially at night, the gun under my shoulder and the weight of the brass knuckles in my pocket made it so that I was rarely too concerned. Lower satellite in the morning was a study in gray. Light flickered through the grates above in patches disappearing occasionally as people moved overhead on the streets of Upper. Most people left the lights on and lower at all times, so that the misty canvas was pierced by the neon shine of signs, advertising everything from diners to organic tissue donation clinics. I passed by one such establishment that had a line down the block, and briefly thought of Jay Murphy's morning broadcast. It made me sick. The bank was conveniently not too far away from the train station. It was a towering building, tall enough that the top of it was incorporated into the grating that separated upper and lower satellite. 
I pushed open the heavy glass doors and stepped inside, noting that the wasp police detail had been augmented by a small private security force, dressed in black with a white lock logo on the front of their vests. The lobby was mostly empty, and my entrance immediately drew the attention of one of the tellers. He waved me over, offering a beaming customer service smile. The man had a name tag pinned crookedly to his lapel that read Martin Beasley. Good morning, ma'am. How can I help you? Morning. I'm looking for an Amy Rose. Any idea where she might be or when she might be coming in? I'm sorry, ma'am. It's against company policy to give out shipped information outside of scheduled appointments. Feel free to call. Mr. Beasley, I'm Private Investigator Jack Hard. Please answer the question. If it would be better, we could talk in a private room, or I could talk with your boss. I reached into my coat pocket and withdrew my private investigator license, holding it up to the glass that separated us. Oh, of course. Uh, investigator, uh, follow me. The man led me out of the main lobby and down a small side hall. He seemed nervous, wiping sweaty hands on his jeans as he stared at the tile passing by below his feet. I'll get someone from management to come join you. Thanks, Martin. It was a few moments before a woman entered the room, wearing an irritated look and a drab pantsuit. She nodded a greeting and sat briskly at the table. I'm Mrs. Hevis. What is it that you're looking for, Investigator? An employee of yours didn't make it home last night. I'm looking to find her. I assume you're talking about Miss Amy Rose? We're also looking for her. Please don't put your shoes on the table. Oh, um, my apologies. Old habit. Was she slated to work this morning? She was slated to be interviewed this morning. We've been talking with every employee concerning the items that have been going missing from the vaults. Ah, uh, yes. My client had mentioned something like that. You thinking that Amy might be your thief? Well, not only has she conveniently gone missing the night before her interview, but there was also a large heist last night, the largest theft of valuables yet. Maybe her final hit before lying low. Certainly seems that way. But I'll tell you what, if you find her or our missing items, I'll give you a bonus. I sent the case over to the local wasp station, but they've been taking their sweet time, as though they have anything more important to deal with. No promises. That's not the gig I'm working. But if you can give me a list of the missing items, I'll keep an eye out. Consider it done. That'll be the list from me. One more thing before you go. Can I take a look at your security footage from last night? We'd be happy to share it, but it doesn't exist. We have footage of the small heists that occurred, but the footage from last night is completely wiped. Strange. Last night is missing, but you still have tapes to the other night? Can you identify the perp on the tapes that you have? Unfortunately, the person in the tapes is, as of yet, unidentified. It seems they knew the location of the cameras and could keep their faces from showing directly into them. They were wearing some kind of disguise, maybe a wig. Smart. And inconvenient. Is there anything else you need, investigator? Not currently. Thanks for your time. The woman nodded curtly and exited the room, leaving me to be escorted down the hall by one of the hired security. The guard was close enough now that I could make out the writing under the lock logo, which read Lock and Key Security. I stepped out onto the streets and immediately looked up. There were cameras all over Upper Satellite, and especially around all the important places in Lower. There were very few places considered more important than the banks. I walked a widening circle out from the building, flagging every camera I saw in a message to a friend of mine that worked in the Lower New York District Wasp Station that could maybe give me the footage. On the brief train ride home, I sent another message to a few of my runners who did groundwork for me, asking them to scout the pawn shops for some of the missing items. Johnny, my most reliable contact, always had a way of finding things, be it drugs, missing items, or dangerous people.
I had a few missed calls in the office that I ignored, walking right past the empty secretary desk, where I deposited my long black peacoat and continued up the stairs at the back and into my apartment. I poured myself a glass of motor oil whiskey, a lower favorite, and sat down in front of my projector. All I could do now was wait. Johnny text me. What could he want to tell me this early in the morning? Yo, Jack. Found that ugly blue necklace. Pawn shop, about a 30-minute cab ride from the bank. 24-hour pawn. I took care of it. The guy will show you his security tapes. I rolled out of bed, scrambled into my clothes, and bolted down the steps and out onto the street, which was lit exclusively by neon lights this early in the morning. In lower, the dawn came later and the sun set faster than an upper, so I was used to navigating the streets in only the too bright, eerie glow of the advertisements that would burn themselves onto your retina if you stared at them too long. This pawn shop looked like any other, cluttered with old tech and jewelry that was worth way less than what was being asked. I approached a thin man with a gaunt face standing behind the counter that was leering at me like he already knew who I was. You that friend of Johnny's? That'd be me. Well, a friend of Johnny's is a friend of mine. (laughs) The man glanced around the empty store, his gaze lingering at the entrance as though he was checking to see if I'd brought along someone who'd bust him for selling stolen goods. It had to have been an act. Every pawn store sold stolen goods. It was damn near expected. Right, well, uh, you didn't get this from me. He pulled out a tablet that had a broken screen with a chunk missing out of one of the corners and brought it flickering to life. The picture was fuzzy, but a man with dark brown hair slicked back and wearing a gray suit was clearly visible on the footage. I paused it right as the man looked up into the camera. Well, that's certainly not a red-headed woman. Nah, I would have remembered that. Tell Johnny we're even. Yeah, all right. A piece of friendly advice? If I were you, I'd either sell that necklace now or get ready to give it up. The miserable dawn was just beginning to drift through the grates above dimming the harshness of the neon lights. I pulled out my phone, scrolling through the names until I found one of a wasp I could tolerate. Officer Dave Smith speaking. Hey Smith, I got a lead on the bank case floating around your precinct. In return, you mind picking up a perp for me? Sure thing, Jack. I'll send a rookie to get Who you got for me? Martin Beasley bank teller of Lower Satellite Banking Corporation, sat sweating through a suit in the interrogation room. I stood with a cup of coffee on the other side of the glass, next to a short, round wasp that had a remarkable mustache that didn't make up for the fact that he was balding. So, you think this guy had something to do with the missing girl? Not sure yet. But he seems to be associated with the bank robberies? Seems so. Wow. This is terrible. Come on, Jack, you gotta give me something. I'll give you something when you give me better coffee. I mean, buy the Redeemer, at least warm it up all the way. Martin Beasley looked even paler than he had before, if that was possible. 
All right, Martin. I have little time and less patience. Where's Amy? What? I, I don't... I don't know. I don't know. No? Let me guess. This also isn't you, silly necklace stolen from the bank earlier this week. Huh? Martin did his best not to look at the footage. As if that would save him. That's... That's not... What could you possibly say about this? I want... I wanna... Look, I don't care about the bank stuff. I care about your accomplice. After all, that heist you pulled off a few nights ago was enough to get you either locked away for life, or maybe even put to death, depending on the judge. What? No. Wait, that wasn't me. Like, in the same way that's not you in the picture? No, well, look. Okay, yes, that's me in the photo, but... But the heist, that wasn't me. And I, I, I don't know what happened to Amy, I swear. There were times in my life that I wish I had the same organic mods as the watchdogs. It would be handy to be able to tell when people were lying. As it was, I'd have to do what I'd always done, and listen to my gut. And my gut was saying that he was telling the truth. All right, all right. If it wasn't you that pulled off the heist, then prove it. H how? Walk me through how you stole the original items, and then tell me where you stashed them. If I do this, will I get, like, a uh, immunity? <laughs> Okay, okay, uh, what about a lesser sentence? Yeah, if you cooperate, we'll go for a lesser sentence. There you go, buddy. Now, how'd you get into the vaults? Well, looks like he was at least partially telling the truth. The boxes are in this unit, just like he said. Think he's telling the truth about not being involved in the larger heist? Yeah, I do. Why? Well, for starters, there aren't enough boxes in here for the items from the heist to be included. So we could have had them stored someplace else. Why would he pay for another storage unit when this one was only half full? He isn't savvy enough to think of dividing the loot. He isn't really even savvy enough to be a criminal. I mean, we caught his face on the security footage in the pawn shop. I don't know. They didn't see past the disguise he wore in the bank vaults. They didn't even catch his face on camera there. Yeah, but he knew about those cameras. Those were cameras he could prepare for. It wasn't him. If he didn't have the foresight to wear a disguise in the pawn shop, he wouldn't have enough to store the items from the heist in a different location. Yeah, alright. Well then do you think your missing girl had something to do with it? She went missing right before her interview, right? The same night that the heist happened? Could be she saw an opportunity. Unfortunately, it seems that way. The lights in my office were off, and darkness had swept lower satellite up in its wake by the time I got back to the office. It was all I could do to kick off my shoes and drag myself up the stairs to my apartment, mind already focused on the lucky coffee I was going to make. Tonight would be a three-shot of whiskey and an equal amount of coffee kind of night. Something was weird about the case, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Hopefully the caffeine and booze combination would loosen up my muscles and kick my brain into gear. I 
I was already dreaming of the taste when I caught sight of the figure sitting in my living room chair. Scrambling out of my jacket, I pawed for my gun, spinning on a woman with short, curly blonde hair and blue eyes who was beaming at me, sitting with perfect posture in a container of something on her lap. One of the most dangerous women in satellite crooked an eyebrow at me and winked one of her big, bright eyes, the mechanical one. I could tell by the way that the pupil adjusted to the light like a camera lens. Is that a gun or are you just happy to see me? By the Redeemer. The woman waited patiently as I reholstered my gun and finished hanging up my coat. Delilah had the look of someone who brought cookies into work on Mondays and made sure to ask how your grandma was doing. She practically oozed innocence with a megawatt smile. Cheeks so rosy they looked like apples, and fingernails painted to match her dress. Now, Jack, I know you know how I feel about taking that name in vain. Now, come sit with me. All right, Delilah. How'd you get in? What, like it's hard? It's a deadbolt, Jack, not a T265 bolt lock with a retina scan. Plus, maybe if you either had a secretary or answered your phone or listened to your voicemail. I, I get it, Delilah. What's up? Well, I got your footage and some cookies. It's going to be a long night for you, and there's a lot to look at. Delilah deposited the cookies and the data chip into my lap and leaned in close, pressing a kiss to my cheek and grabbing my chin to force me into making eye contact. You are one of my dearest friends, Jack. So get your shit together. I will. I will. See you in a few days for the show? Of course. You know I never miss a meetup of the sleepless. Hey, before you go, how's business? Delilah turned her head to look over her shoulder, and the blue of her mechanically modified eye turned to a bright red as her hair slowly began to straighten and darken. She'd had the organic modification known as the cover-up for as long as I'd known her. It was supposed to be used by models that wanted to be able to effortlessly change their look to fit what each employer had in mind, but Delilah had twisted that use to fit her own machinations. She used it to slide into her alias. Business is booming, Jack. It's always booming. And within a few seconds, she was gone to the darkness of the stairwell, having entered as Miss Delilah Jones, secretary of one of the New York Wasp precincts, and having left as Miss Mimic, the secretive puppet master of many of the lower New York district's underground dealings. I settled in. Delilah was right. It would be another long night. But that was something that I was used to. Over my career, I'd lost count of how many hours spent watching tapes like these. If there was one thing I'd learned, it was that a city like Satellite ran on one thing and one thing only. Routine. I watched several days of the same people arriving, climbing the steps, boarding the trains, the same flow of cars and pedestrians on the sidewalks. There was even a single solitary cat that emerged almost every morning to lie in the windowsill of one of the apartments, catching the rays of sun that managed to filter through the grates for a few hours. You'd think that this routine would be horrifically boring, cause the eyes to glaze over, the mind to wander. But for me, it painted a gray background of the sound and cityscape that made the discrepancies stand out that much clearer, like a neon sign on a foggy day in Lower and I was just lucky enough to see one such abnormality. I sat up, brushing cookie crumbs off my stomach and blowing them off the screen of the tablet. I checked the time in the video, rewound it, started it again, watched the few days before just to be sure. 
The night that Amy had gone missing, not only had she not ascended the steps to the train platform, but a black van marked with a white lock went in a new direction. The few days previous, the van had followed a very specific route, coming in from the north where the security company's headquarters were, and directly to the bank, where they would drop off the new crew and pick up the old crew before heading back out the way that they came. It was a routine that happened several times each day. This day, the van came from its headquarters, dropped off the new crew, picked up the old crew, and continued south until it disappeared from the view of the surveillance. It's not much, but it's something. <sighs> Time to turn in. It was a bright dawn in lower satellite, glaring enough that I had a squint, barely able to make out Officer Smith's name on my phone as I crossed the street. This is Jack. Hey, Jack. Officer Smith. Nice day, isn't it? A rare day. Must be cloudless and upper. Must be. Look, sorry to get straight to business. Don't apologize. That's my favorite kind of conversation. Of course it is. Look, when you're done with this robbery... Missing person. Whatever. When you're done with this case, can you swing by the station? I could use your help. We've had a spike in cases of the illegal flesh trade, and I could use a second set of eyes that hasn't been staring at these case files for days. Of course there's a spike in cases. Have you seen the prices they're offering? I've considered selling myself. I mean, just think about what you can get for an arm and a leg. Jack, this isn't funny. Of course it's not funny, but what's my alternative here, Smith? Wallowing in the knowledge that people are selling each other for parts? By the Redeemer, it's bright out today. Look, all I'm saying is that if you offer premium prices for a fairly easy, obtainable resource, who is surprised when people find ways to take advantage of that? If you want to fix the problem, maybe call up the donation places and tell them- Jeez, Jack, I get it. Can you come by or not? Yeah, I can come by. Regular consulting fee. The sunlight was dancing across the floor of the train, momentarily eclipsed by buildings and people, and the occasional tree as the train picked up speed. It was indeed a rare day in satellite. A rare day. I felt momentarily breathless, like something had knocked the air from my lungs. Come on, Smith, pick up. By the Redeemer, Jack, is this some kind of an emergency? It's a rare day in satellite. What? It's a rare day. You said you've had spikes in the flesh trade, right? Yes. Jack, what? Shut up. My missing person has red hair and green eyes. A rare combination in satellite's demographic. What if... What if she was mixed up in your case? Think about it, Smith. A regular common person like you or me could get a month of our rent if we sold an arm. Imagine how much you could get if you were Amy. It'd be at least double. At least? Jack, if that's the case, you need to tread carefully. We think that the person who's creating false identities and dissecting the corpses has been doing this for a while. We're finally closing in on him, but he spooks easy. 
Get out of the way. Hey, what? Smith, I'm on my way to interview the security team now. My bet is that they're involved, and me pressuring them might spook them into showing me where they have Amy. Keep me updated. If it looks like this is related, we'll send you back up. There was a bench across the street that gave me full view of the front of the bank without letting me be seen through the windows, and I posted up to wait for the security team that worked at the same time as Amy's shift. Another voicemail? Damn, I need a secretary. The security team arrived as they always did, disembarking from the van and filing into the bank. A few moments later, the old team exited, entered the van, and the van turned north, heading back to their headquarters. I gave them just enough time that the security would be active in the bank, but not enough time that they would be fully settled in. The bank executive from last time just happened to be in the lobby, wearing a pantsuit that was somehow even more drab than the one she had been wearing last time. Afternoon, investigator. Afternoon. I saw that you located some of the missing items. Any leads on the rest of them? Maybe. I've also, you know, got leads on your missing employee, but who's concerned with that? Of course we care for our employees. Never said you didn't, but I'm not here to talk to you about that. I've got two things, ma'am. First, here's a chip you can fill with the reward money for finding items. Second, I need to interview your security crew. Is that... they're doing their job. Can't you interview them after Ma'am, they... I believe that they might know the location of your missing items. Very well. You may interview them one at a time. We need them doing their job. Of course you do. Do you have a room I can borrow? Here, you can use this conference room. The first person in was a large man with the name Baxter on his protective vest. I kicked my feet onto the table, holding my tablet in my lap. Afternoon, Mr. Baxter. Hayden. Hayden. Where were you four nights ago from about 6.30 p.m. to 10 p.m.? Just before closing and shortly after the night shift guards get here. I was in the bank, finishing my shift. Then I was in the van heading back to HQ. Are you aware of the heist that happened that evening? Of course. They've already interviewed everybody about it. Why am I doing this again? Because the heist doesn't matter to me. Were you ever in contact with Miss Amy Rose? I put my tablet on the table in front of him, a picture of Amy taking up the screen. Hayden's jaw tightened as he looked down at the photo, and one of his knees began to bounce. Yeah, I mean, she worked here. She worked here? I mean, I haven't seen her around lately. I'd figured she was the one who did the heist. <laughs> wow. A little thing like her pulled off a heist of that magnitude right under your company's nose. Remind me not to hire you for my security needs. So, after you finished your shift, you and your crew got into your van and headed toward your HQ? Yes. And what direction is that in? Look, lady, I don't- The title is investigator, and given the amount of trouble it's looking like you're in, you might want to be using it. What trouble am I in? All I've done here is my job. If I check the security tapes from the stations around the bank, will they tell me the same thing? That you showed up for work and then immediately went back to HQ? Yeah, they will. Well, good. I guess I'll do that after I finish interviewing your buddies then. That's all. You're dismissed. Go on. My hourly rate is wasted on this interaction. Be a doll and send in the next one, will you? All told, there were four guards on this shift, each one getting more closed off than the ones before them, until the final guy answered most of the questions with only grunts. 
I wrapped up about an hour before their security shift ended so that I had plenty of time to have a car dropped off for me and post up to watch. Traffic was light, but there were enough cars that I wasn't too worried that mine would stick out, especially since Johnny had gotten me an old taxi cab. This is a note from Johnny. Ha, <laughs> just a smiley face. Thanks, Jay. Shortly after, the security van drove up, the replacement team disembarking. Immediately thereafter, Hayden and his crew exited the bank. Hayden looked around carefully, eyes scanning over the taxi cab parked across the street, and climbed in the driver's side. Officer Smith? Hey, Smith. Looks like it worked. They're headed south, not north toward HQ. Hopefully they'll lead me straight to Amy. I'll let you know the address when we stop. Sounds good. And Jack, remember, don't engage. This is bigger than a missing person. We need to catch the flesh trade counterfeiter. You should come up with a snappier name for him. Like, just the counterfeiter. Or the surgeon. Or the butcher. It'd be easier to get your point across and maybe would make you feel like you were actually doing some police work. Fuck you, Jack. I couldn't help but poke at him. Smith wasn't a bad guy, but wasps, and most positions of power for that matter, had a way of benefiting off of the citizens of Lower that left a bad taste in my mouth. Alright, boys. Where are you headed? Damn it! Get out of the way! Shit! Where'd they go? Either these guys had caught on to the fact that they were being tailed, or they were trying to get to their hideout in record time. Either way, the black van was nowhere to be seen. I gunned it forward, cutting through an intersection and nearly flattening a pedestrian as I lurched over a curb and took a corner far too fast. Just down the block, I caught sight of the van as it turned. Someone stepped out into the street in front of me, and as I swerved around him, splashing him with a wave of gutter water, I remembered I was technically driving a taxi. I took a few deep breaths as I turned the corner after the van, slowing the car and my heart rate as the familiar logo came into view. Their pace stayed the same, and though they were driving fast, they weren't driving a regular. Praise the Redeemer. At least they haven't noticed me yet. I followed the car for another 10 minutes, and when I pulled off to the side of the road, I drove past them, turned the corner, and parked, texting Smith the address. It was getting dark and lower, the grates lending extra shadows to my walk as I moved carefully up the sidewalk and ducked down an alley next to the remnants of the house that the crew had entered. Through a broken window, I caught sight of someone lying on the ground, curled tightly into a fetal position, bright red hair strewn about them on the floor. The girl was breathing, but barely, her eyes closed and skin even paler than in the photo that Esther had given me. There was blood on her temple and at the corners of her mouth. Next to her in the room was a haphazard pile of items. A large collection of jewelry, ornate boxes, even a few bottles of some kind of substance strewn about. The items from the heist. What I'm saying is we don't have time to wait for him. That woman is going to check the tapes and see that I was lying about returning to HQ. We have to do this now. With any luck, he'll get here before we have to move the body. 
If not, well, I think she'll be a rare enough catch and worth enough money that we can find someone who will look the other way if the paperwork doesn't match up exactly and the body's a little damaged. I pulled out my phone, sending another text to Officer Smith. You're running out of time. They're going to kill her. Stay where you are. This is bigger than her. That's an order. Fuck him. This isn't his case or his call. How are we gonna do this? Just shoot her? No. We need to have her intact if we want to make the money. Whole bodies fetch more. We'll need to suffocate her. Get me something. Like a pillow. I don't got any of that. This house is just bones. Fine. I guess... I guess I'll... we'll have to strangle her. I'm not gonna do that. Fine. Get out of the way. The second guy took a step back, and a third walked into the room. Hayden rolled up his sleeves and grabbed Amy, turning her over onto her back and kneeling down to straddle her. His thick hands closed around Amy's thin, fragile throat. Esther's worried face came to mind, the way she clasped her hands so tightly together when she said that Amy looked like her mother, when she said that Amy lived with her. There had been a loss in those eyes that was so painful I'd looked away. I'm coming, Amy. Stay down or die. Freeze! Put the gun down! About time. Damn it, Jack! I told you to wait! We just lost our chance at our guy because of your stunts! Hey, medics. Forget these assholes. She needs your help. She's breathing, but it looks bad. Jack, are you- Am I what, Smith? Am I listening? Am I happy? What in the name of the Redeemer made you think that I would be able to stand by while they strangled a woman to death? I gave you an order! You're not my fucking boss. Move! Stretcher coming through! Get out of my way, officer. And next time, if you're gonna tell me to let someone die, don't bother calling. I hopped back in the taxi, sending a text to Johnny to meet me at the hospital to pick up the car. Now, the weekly update for the current prices for tissue donations. The price of organic tissue looks to remain high for the rest of this week, though it will likely to begin... Esther Rose sat across me at the desk, somehow both elated and devastated. I'm... I'm sorry, Jack. I didn't know the investigation would take this long, and I can't afford to pay you. At least not right now. I might be able to work something out with Amy once she's back working at the bank, or I, I, could, ma- I could maybe sell while the prices are high. By the Redeemer. Look, if that's your only option, I would rather you didn't pay me. It's not worth it. Thank, thank you, Jack. But I don't want to leave you uncompensated. Maybe I could work the debt off? Doing what? No offense, but you don't exactly look like someone who could be a very good runner. Your ground game is probably bad at best. Ground game? Runner? Never mind. I don't know about all that, but I had noticed that you have a secretary desk out front. I think it's a secretary desk out there, buried under, uh... Anyways, I worked as a secretary at the bank. I'm sure I could help out answering calls and writing notes. I thought back to Delilah breaking into my house, and the list of voicemails that I still had yet to listen to, and leaned forward, holding my mug up to toast. 
Sounds like a deal to me, Esther. You're hired. Once again, fellow citizens, we find ourselves beginning another bright day together, writing the wavelengths of the radio into our morning rituals. If I listen closely, I can hear the city... Is that coffee already done? Is that a new kettle? Of course it is. The old one was gonna burn down the building. Hot investigation, how can I help you? Heartbeat Podcast is written and produced by Aaron Bentley and edited by our audio engineer, Bella Bongiorno. The role of Jack Hart is voiced by Becca Austin, and the voice of Jay Murphy, Johnny, and Hayden Baxter is Levi Austin. Officer Smith is voiced by Jace Flanagan. The voice of Esther Rose was Amanda Biggs, and Martin Beasley and several extras were voiced by Brady Robshaw. Delilah Jones is voiced by Claudia Richburg, and the City of Satellite was voiced by Aaron Bentley. Our intro, outro, and background music was written by Veronica Harris, and you can find more of her work on her SoundCloud, linked in our description. Want to reach out? Want to tell us what you think? Want to lend your talents to the show? Shoot us an email at heartbeatpodcast at gmail.com, spelled H-A-R-T-B-E-A-T podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and an extra special thank you to everyone who donated to our Kickstarter. This wouldn't be possible without your generosity. Stay tuned to hear your names in our later episodes for all you lucky people who backed the Kickstarter tier, thank you from the bottom of our heart, and above. Most importantly, may you all bask in the glory of satellite.